you would, go ahead and grab your copy of Scripture, and let's open that to the book of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I'll give you a moment to get there. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It happened that while Jesus was praying at a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. This is God's word. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, you are, uh, you are good. There is no one like you. You are the creator and sustainer of all life. Even the very breath in our lungs right now is a gift from you. We thank you for that. We rejoice in who you are today. And Father, I pray now at the preaching of your word that your people would be fed and that you would be glorified. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you this morning and uh, open God's word with you. And uh, I want to begin with a question. Um, have you ever had a situation where you had partial knowledge uh, uh, and you thought one way, but then when you gained full knowledge of the situation, it changed your perspective. In other words, have you ever found out there's more to the story and that more to the story changed how you saw things, it changed everything about it? Uh, I had something like that happen to me for sure. Um, it was uh, when I, uh, it happened when I met the girl who would become my wife, Jessica. In the summer of 98, I got my first job bagging groceries for HEB, bag boy for life. And uh, my second week on the job, 16 years old, bagging up groceries, I look and this mom comes in with five blonde haired, green eyed daughters. And I thought, man, they could use good customer service that only I can give. And uh, so I made sure that when they came through the line, I bagged up their groceries and I got to take it out to their suburban. And I'm talking with the mom and uh, I noticed that the, the oldest daughter, just beautiful. She had these eyes that reminded me of uh, the beaches in Florida where we would go each summer. And I was like, man, this is, she's amazing. And so I'd take the carry out, I put the groceries in the car. I felt really good because as they drove away, the mom gave me like a little double honk like a bump, bump, and I'm like, let's go, right? Well, I worked that summer, and then school begins, and it's my junior year, and uh, I, I played basketball in high school, so basketball season begins, I, I hardly work at all, maybe just one shift a week. But then springtime comes, and basketball season is over, and I'm working there again, and one night, a Saturday night, lo and behold, who doth walk in the door? It's that girl. It's that girl from last summer. And tonight she's only with one of her like girlfriends and they're going to see a movie. So I was like, oh man, that's the girl. I gotta, I gotta have an interaction somehow. And so she comes through the line and I notice that one of my friends, a cashier named Amber, 
is also one of her friends. And I said, oh, okay, we've got a mutual friend. We went to different high schools, so this girl was like, the, the, like a mutual friend. And so I take the groceries out, and she starts asking me questions. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is great. And so I put the groceries in the bag. I come back inside, and I go straight to that cashier, Amber, who seems to be a mutual friend. And I'm like, all right, give me the Carfax. Like, I want to know, know everything about her. <clears throat> She have a good family, and she's like, like, everything came up, green check marks. Great girl, great family involved in her church. I was like, oh, this is great. And I said, man, I think I'd really like to spend time with that girl. And Amber told me, she goes, well, Josh, if you want to date her, you're going to have to get at the bottom of a long list of guys. And I was like, oh, dejected, forlorn downtrodden. I went home sad that night. And I, you know, I thought that makes sense because she went to a high school in San Antonio with over 6,000 students. And so I was like, man, there's, there's probably a long line of guys just, you know, who see what I see, that she's an amazing girl and want to date her. I probably have no shot, especially because I didn't even go to that high school. Well, I come back to work Monday, still sad. And Amber calls me over. She's like, Josh, come here, come here. I got to tell you something. I'm like, what news do you have now? You got my dog has cancer or something like what? What do you have for me now? And she goes, Josh, I talked to Jessica. And I'm like, oh, we got a name now. She has, her name is Jessica. Tell me more. She goes, Josh, I talked to Jessica. And apparently you have a reserved spot at the top of that list. <laughs> Holla at your boy. Let's go. Let's go. So that is literally how I met my wife. We began. Um, so be careful when you go to the grocery store, folks. Uh, <laughs> But it was, it was that moment when she told me, when Amber told me that there's more to the story, right? I, I thought it was one way, but then she said, no, there's more you need to know. And man, it changed everything, literally to this day. It changed everything about the situation. There's more to the story. We're talking about praying to God as our father today. And I think for some of us, that might be a tough topic because because of the mistakes that maybe your earthly father has made. To be clear, no earthly father is perfect. I'm a father of of, of three kids, and man, I mess up all the time. No father is perfect. Every father sins and messes up and, and makes mistakes. But the enemy wants to take all that pain that your earthly father has caused, and he wants to show you, and he wants to say, this is what all fathers are like. And even more, he wants to say, this is what God is like. He will let you down. He will make mistakes. He will get it wrong. We could say it this way. Satan wants to, for you to have a distorted view of God as a father because of the sins and wrongs of your earthly father. I believe God wants you to have the truth clarified by his word. So my encouragement to you this morning is there's more to the story. When we talk about God as a father, there's more to the story than just the mistakes of our earthly father. Jesus tells us that God is a loving father and that he loves when his children pray to him. And so today we have the opportunity to trade in those distorted lies for a distinct truth, that God is a good father and he cares for us. I've titled the message today, When You Pray, Fatherhood in Focus, because that's what Jesus gives us. He clarifies who God the Father is and what he's like in this 
passage today. And so let's learn from Scripture today three things about praying to God. First, we'll learn that you pray to a Father who is glorious. Secondly, you pray to a Father who is generous. And finally, you pray to a Father who is gracious. I'll give you a content recommendation as well as we begin a song called Your Love is Strong by an artist named John Foreman off his album called Spring. It kind of takes this passage and puts it to song, and I would commend that to you as well. All right, let's get to it. First thing, we pray to a Father who is glorious. Go back to verse 2. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. For context, we need to know this is a distinct, different time than when Jesus taught what we commonly think of as the Lord's Prayer. This is a different time than that. Uh, But there's some common elements in both prayers, right? Including how it begins. How does the prayer begin? By addressing God as Father. Now, we need to think about this. Who's asking him for help to pray? It's his disciples, people who love and, and worship him and want to follow him. That's who's asking, hey, can you help us pray? And so I think this leads to an often overlooked or misunderstood point. We could say it this way. Everyone is created by God, but not everyone is a child of God. God's children are those who put their full trust and delight in his son, Jesus Christ. We see this in John chapter 1. It says, he, talking about Jesus, came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, look at this, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You see it right there. It's those who put their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those, man, God adopts into his family and says, you're my child. And so we see that right there. And the encouragement Jesus gives us is that, man, if we do put our faith in him, then we have God as our eternal father forever. And that's really good news. And furthermore, Jesus says, you can pray to him. You can pray to him as a child of God. You have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's amazing. One pastor named Tim Keller says it this way. I love this. He says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is his child. And all the parents said, amen, amen. We have that kind of access. Do you know you can pray to God at 3 a.m. and he hears you? That's comforting. I've been there. That's the access we have. That's the father that we have. Now, take it a step further. This Father that we have access to through faith in Jesus Christ is glorious. What does he say? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That tells us we have a Father who is awesome and majestic. We have a Father whose kingdom is coming. This this Father is glorious beyond all compare, and this should bolster our prayer life. This should cause us to call out to him even more. That word hallowed, we just don't use that very much in today's language, right? Like one of you heard somebody say like, oh man, I had a burrito at Chipotle. It was so good. Hallowed be that burrito. You know, like, (laughs) but what does it mean? 
What does it mean to hallow something? One pastor describes it this way. He says, to hallow something means to treat it as sacred and ultimate. It means you make something your ultimate concern. You make it the most crucial thing. You make it the supreme beauty, the supreme aim of your life. And so God's name is to be treated as this, that it is sacred, that it is ultimate. We say God, our Father, it's, it's special. It is the supreme beauty of your life, the aim of your life. This is a Father who is glorious. Let me show you a little bit else of what Scripture says about God's name. I'll run through these quickly. Proverbs 18 tells, uh, 18.10 tells us his name is safety. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Isaiah 26.13 says his name is honored. Lord our God, other lords beside you have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honor. Psalm 97.12 tells us his name is holy. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Psalm 135 verse 13 tells us his name is eternal. Your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renowned Lord through all generations. And Acts 2.21 tells us his name is salvation. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hey, that's the father we get to pray to. That is why he's hallowed. That's why he's the most important thing in our lives. That's why we, he's sacred to us. We can think of it this way. We don't pray to a foolish, weak, worthless father who doesn't have a plan. We pray to the wise, strong, honorable name of God, our father, whose kingdom is coming. This is what should bolster our prayer life. If you know me, you know I like board games. I'm going to talk about one real quick. Hang with me for just a minute. One of my favorite games is called Scythe. This is what the cover of the game looks like. I think that's pretty awesome. And when I saw that for the first time, I was like, man, I want to know what's going on in that world. I want to try that out. And if you've ever played like uh, Settlers of Catan, it's a little bit like that, but with some other layers to it. And inside, you're sending your workers out all over the map to gather resources. But your workers are weak and defenseless. They can be attacked. So you need backup. And so you have these big mechs uh, that, that you can send out. And those kind of function as your army. But here's where side that's really cool. They have on the board, they have a military strength rating right here on the board, right? Where everybody can see how strong your military is. Think of it like a credit score for your military strength, right? And everybody can see where each person is ranked. And so if you're low, you're not very dangerous. But if you get up high on that track, you're strong and you're to be feared. And so on your turn, when it's your turn, one of the things you can do is called bolster. And when you bolster, it means you increase your military strength. You go up in power. And again, it's public knowledge. Everybody sees it. And so at our game table, people get real suspicious when someone starts bolstering up. They're like, why, why, why are you bolstering up? Who are, you, who are you gonna come attack? Is it me? Is it me? You know, flip the table, you know, don't do that. But people notice because man, when you bolster, you become strong, you become a threat. Here's the truth. Bolster your prayer life today by receiving the truth of Scripture about who God is and what He's like. And that's the hope is that we would turn our focus away from anything else and see that our God is glorious. 
And when we realize that he is sacred, that he's ultimate, that man, that should bolster our prayer life, that we're drawn to pray to him. Some questions to consider here. His name is safe, honorable, holy, eternal, and saving. How can I focus my heart and prayers more on these truths? Secondly, if I'm praying for his kingdom to come, it means mine has to go. Where do I have opportunities to trust the Father more instead of going by my plans? So first, we pray to a Father who is glorious. Secondly, we pray to a Father who is generous. Go to verse 3, the next part of the prayer. He says, give us each day our daily bread. We pray to a Father who gives good things to us. Isn't that a relief? We don't pray to a stingy Father. We don't pray to a Father who doesn't care. We don't pray to a Father who won't help us. We pray to a Father who is generous who is kind and patient and gracious. This theme is echoed in other parts of Jesus' teaching. Matthew 7, verse 11, he says, So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Luke uh, 12, 24, Jesus says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Our Father in heaven knows exactly what we need, and he bountifully gives. He bountifully gives to us. When I was in third grade, my family moved to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, I remember it was close to Christmas time, and we had to do this uh, big project um, about family traditions. And so we had to give up and give a report about some kind of family tradition uh, before the Christmas break. And it started snowing uh, uh, that week. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, I'm from Texas. So I'm like, what is this white stuff falling from the sky? And um, I was going to do my report on my dad's grilled chicken. Um, you know, food is a love language. I guess I speak that. And, uh, but like we, we would have these big grill out family meals and they were always a special time in our house where there's laughter, there's fun, there's a good meal. And so I was going to do my report on my dad's grilled chicken. And so I get my report ready. And my hope is that, um, my dad will grill out that day. And so I can bring it in and like, you know, bribe my teacher for an A with this grilled chicken third grade mind. But it starts snowing like crazy. It starts snowing real heavy. On the day I'm supposed to give my report, I'm like, man, it's not going to work. I've got my report ready, but it's like a blizzard out there. And so I get ready to give my report. My teacher says, hey, you need to go down to the school office. My first thought is, oh no, they caught me. Um, But I go down to the office and my dad is there with a big tray full of his grilled chicken. He had gone out in the snow, in the blizzard, and grilled it up. And I took it into my class, and my kids, the the students tried it, and my teacher tried it and loved it. They were like, this is awesome. And I'm like, I know. They probably thought we were like stereotypical Texans, right? Like, are those Texas people out there grilling in the blizzard? Yeah, we are. (laughs) Yes, we are. That's how we do it, right? My dad didn't buy me a new toy or give me a new video game, but I saw that day what it looked like to be a generous father. He gave up his time, his warmth, his comfort, so that I could have a cool moment in my school. 
Here's the truth. God isn't the genie from Aladdin. We don't go to him, tell, us, tell him our three wishes, and then he has to grant them. It's not how it works. But I will tell you, he will give you what you need. Look at this. One pastor says it this way. I love this. God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's what God will give you. I don't want to bombard you with scripture today, but I want our vision to be corrected by his truth. And so I just want to run through a, a few things that God gives to his children. Number one, God gives food. Psalm 145, 15 and 16, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time. God gives you what you need, Philippians 4, 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God gives a way out. You're facing temptation, man, God gives you a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation, look, will provide the way of escape also so that you may be able to endure it. God gives good things, Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Five, God gives wisdom for life. Second Peter 1, 3 says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And finally, God gives spiritual gifts, 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If your earthly father has been selfish or stingy or greedy, you need to know there's more to the story. That's not how God is. God is a gracious, generous father. He is supremely generous to his children. And that continues to this very day. Some questions to consider here. Have I believed the lie that God is uncaring, unkind, and selfish? How can the truth of Scripture help me today? Secondly, God can be trusted to generously give what I need. So what will I pray about today? Or who else can I pray for that God would meet their needs? So we pray to a Father who is glorious. We pray to a Father who is generous. Finally, we pray to a Father who is gracious. Verse 4. He says, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. I would tell you, we get to pray to a father who gives us what we don't deserve. And that's pretty amazing. We could summarize it this way. God the Father graciously grants us forgiveness of our sins, the ability to forgive others, and guidance for the way forward. That's a father I want to pray to. That's a father I want to spend time in his presence. And in fact, I would tell you, those are, that gives just three things you could pray for today. I, I think these are prayers that God answers, that you could ask him for forgiveness of your sins. You could pray that today, and God would answer that. Secondly, you can pray for his help in forgiving those who've done you wrong, maybe even your own father. God sends help for that. And third, his guidance in your life, that he would lead you in the path where you're supposed to walk. God answers those type of prayers. And when I look at those things, I think, what did I do to deserve this? What have I done that God would be so kind and so gracious to me? 
I don't deserve any of those things. I'm a sinner. I'm a rebel. I've turned from him. I don't deserve any good thing from him, but he's been gracious to me. Have you ever been in a grocery store or a Costco and you come around the corner with your basket and lo and behold, the demo table is set up? Can I get an amen, right? You've been there. All of a sudden you're like, oh, well, yes, I will. And they've got the whole like table set up and the little plastic cups and they've got the thing and all the little stuff out front of you and you can smell it, you can see it, you can touch it, you can taste it, right? And it's like an exciting moment. Um, How many of you, just to be honest, you're in church today, how many of you ever had a sample and then worked your way back for a second sample? Come on, come on, yeah, truth will set you free. You know, I, I know how that goes. You try to play it off like you're looking for something else. Like, oh, where was the raspberry chutney? Oh, I'm back here again. Yeah, sure, I'll take one more, right? And it's weird because it can even be a product you already have at home. Like this lady one time was doing waffles, like Eggo waffles. And I'm like, yeah, I've got Eggos at home. But yeah, I'll try this. And like I ate it and I'm like, man, it tastes amazing in the store. I don't know why. Give me a box of 7,000 of them. Like it's Costco, right? I love those demos, right? That's the whole point. They want you... To, to experience it, to taste and see, to get your hands on it, to, to experience it. Has God done something similar? I think he has in a way. God has set up a demo of his grace in sending his son, Jesus Christ, for us. Romans 5, 6 through 8 tells us how, when, where God was gracious and demonstrated it. It says, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah, praise God. You want to come face to face with God's grace? Man, look to the gospel. Look to him sending his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life we should have lived, to die the death that we should have died, to rise again in power and victory. Look at it, see it, smell it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, is what it says in Psalms. It's a demonstration of his grace. We could say it this way, the Father has demonstrated his gracious love for undeserving sinners like you and me most clearly through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the Father you get to pray to. Some questions to consider here. Have I received the free gift of grace God makes available in the gospel? Have I been adopted into his family through faith in Jesus? Secondly, if I am a Christian, who can I forgive today? How can I echo God's love by extending grace to those who don't deserve it? We've seen today three really good pieces of good news for us. We pray to a father who is glorious. We pray to a father who is generous. We pray to a father who is gracious. When I started seventh grade, I was having these constant, really bad headaches, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. My mom was a little bit suspicious, um, and so she took me to an eye doctor, and uh, they tested my vision. And the eye doctor watched very carefully as I do the, you know, cover one eye, cover one other. He watched me very carefully 
uh, to make sure that I wasn't squinting. Lo and behold, I have terrible vision. And I needed contacts like yesterday. I needed glasses, you know, I needed them right away. But I kind of knew that my vision wasn't good, so I became really good at like squinting, you know? And, and so, but I'm thankful that the doctor wouldn't let me do that. He was like, no, you, you need glasses. And so I got them and they, the headaches went away and it was a, actually a really cool thing to be able to see as I should have been seeing. And the truth is, man, I think the enemy wants to keep you squinting at God. He wants your picture of God to be distorted and blurred and, and not the real thing. Man, let the gospel correct your vision. Let it, let it hit your heart so that you see, man, this is what the Father is like. When you pray, you pray to the Father who loves you more than you can comprehend. You have the chance to pray to him today. I'll give you a bonus content recommendation, and we'll close with this. A band named Citizens wrote a song called Kids that I would commend to you. It's off an album called A Mirror Dimly. I play that one straight through, no skips. But the chorus of this song called Kids goes like this. He says, there's nothing better than to know we belong. We've been adopted by the Father of love. Our brother suffered on the cross in our place. We are kids of grace. That's good news. I can rest in that. I can rejoice in that. Let me pray for you. Father, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you are glorious. You're generous. You're gracious. You're so much better to us than we deserve. And we thank you, Father, for the gospel of grace. Not that we earn it, but that you graciously sent your son. And Father, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, I'm a child of grace. I'm a kid of grace. And that's something to celebrate. And that's something to rejoice in. I pray you'd hear us this morning as we sing to you. And Father, I pray for those in this room who, um, for whom this may have been a tough subject because of the, the mistakes and the sins of their earthly father. But Lord, I pray that their focus would be on you and you alone, and that your scripture would clarify, would correct our vision of who you are and what you're truly like, and that we would be a people who call out and pray to you. Lord, we love you. You are a good father. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.